Happy Friday, everybody. It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. We're going to be fielding your questions, so you got to get those to us. We'll tell you how to do that in just a couple minutes. But, John, we've got a special guest joining us on the Listener Questions Live. Some people get to hear a much more popular figure than you and I yammering back and forth about the Bengals. Uh, we'll bring him in in a second. But how you doing, buddy? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Anthony. It's a good day here in Cincinnati. Hopefully, it's a good weekend in East Rutherford, New Jersey, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But yeah, let's bring in our guest. I'm sure a lot of you guys know him by his armor. Star Wars is back in the news with the new series on Disney+. Plus. Let's bring on the Bangalorean, man. All right, Bangalorean, a.k.a. Joe Burrow's doppelganger. uh, What's up, guys? Joining us from his spaceship there. Uh, How you doing, man? No, sans Um, armor, no armor, but uh, you're, you're, you're... rocking the the cincy lid what's going on man how you doing yeah good man i'm honored to be on the show i know you've had guys on here like uh ocho cinco so to be up in that uh that uh rafter with him on your show is an honor man well i i appreciate that and uh hey it's been too long since you've been on our show we did some pregame stuff with you a little while ago you've been on i think last year it's been way too long you uh, we were we were going to be joined by tyler minerding we still might be uh, joined by him he's had some day job stuff come up i thought that was pesky day jobs man they just uh put a wrench in the works there but before we get to questions and how everybody can get that job, i'm going to share this because you and tyler are doing a cool thing uh locally to kind of throw a- an ohio-based tailgate this weekend the Bengals aren't playing a home game so gotta gotta get a little creative here and here is the video on twitter hopefully everybody can hear and see this in just a second here uh, you and Tyler, with all the Bangalorean helmets in front of you here, here's the announcement. What's up, guys? This is Bangalorean. I'm here with Tyler Miner today. We are partnering with Portway to bring you guys the ultimate away game experience. Join us this fall as we bring the tailgate experience here to Springboro, Ohio, for Portway. We'll be giving prizes, giveaways, raffles. We are targeting September 25th against the New York Jets at 1 o'clock. Let's get this done and have a hoot egg time. All right, so you got a big event. You mentioned it. What what else is going on? Tell us a little bit more about this as we get started with things. Uh, you, prizes. Everybody loves prizes. Uh, what, what 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 do you got going this weekend? Yeah, man. While the while the Bengals are down there in uh, New York or New Jersey, wherever these clowns play, uh, we are going to be handling <laughs> business back, handling business uh, at home here. Uh, pretty much what we wanted to do, guys, is. Um, I sit in my living room just thinking like, oh, I'm going to watch the, the Jets game here and, and uh, just, you know, have family over. But uh, the thought clicked in my head. I was like, what if I, I took that uh, environment, ripped it out of my living room uh, and put it in a bar and invited a bunch of like minded people? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, Tyler and I both live up here uh, in a suburb of Dayton. So I contacted him and I said, hey, man. Let's do this. Uh, so we worked it out. Warp Wing reached out to us. And uh, now we're here, man, the 25th, this Sunday. Um, awesome, awesome prize opportunities. But aside from that, a bunch of togetherness, great food, beer, and uh, we get to watch our Bengals get that first win. Man, do they need that first win. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, we were talking about before we went we took the air. Good Lord, they need that first win. And I can tell you. I have tailgated with the Bangalorean, albeit somewhat mm-hmm. briefly. I have tailgated with this guy, and he is a mm-hmm. lot of fun. So you got to join him. You got to join Tyler. Tyler is also 
amazing on social media with his Bengal uh, therapy session, Bengal fan yes. therapy sessions, and yeah. the recent video he put up of him with with T Swift was also pretty killer. So I wanted to announce that we'll we'll remind folks before we get out of here as well, and uh, we you know. We, we appreciate the the cool thing you're doing for fans out there, and we, we want to definitely promote that. So as we get going here, as we usually do, listener questions live. You can get your questions to us a number of different ways. Live chats, YouTube, Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Um, you can also get to us on Twitter, at CJAnthonyCY, at BangalsOBI. You can also hit up the Bangalorean, John, on his Twitter account. Any one of us, hit us up. You can email us, the, the obinsider at gmail.com. By the way, the YouTube chats, if you do a super chat, that gets precedent and it's going to be donated to the Pollock Family Foundation. So we're still supporting that charity. Uh, and then, of course, Cincy Jungle Post, you can leave a comment there. We were, you know, no excuses. Call text 949 542 6241. Get into us. Let's uh, get some questions. We had some queued up. John, uh, John do you want to lead us off here? I can lead us off. So we okay. got. We have one from Dalton Signature in the YouTube comments section. He was asking about a lesser-known injury that happened on Sunday with Jesse Bates. He dislocated his middle finger, and he popped it right back in, I believe, the very next play with the help of a trainer. He's asking, how much do you think this will be a problem for him this weekend? I've never dislocated a finger before. I can't imagine it's a very pleasant experience, but he did play through it, and I don't think it really hindered him that much in that game. But it is something to, I guess, you know, taken account for I, I would imagine it's a lot tougher to catch the football when you only have nine working fingers but what do you guys think i'm gonna let the bangalorean lead off on this one here so i've i've got some pretty gnarly hands not anthony muñoz hands but uh, <laughs> I've, just, I've, uh, I've i've dislocated a few fingers and no man it's not fun and i i uh not to the level Jesse Bates played, but you know, I, I played safety, you know, I played strong safety. So I can only imagine how that's going to affect uh, his ability to play the ball, uh, even do little things like grab a Jersey to try and tackle. But I mean, mm. he's, he's, he's tough, man. He's a professional athlete. He's a, he's a professional period. Uh, and for him to pop it back in place and just game on, we'll see. I don't, I don't think it's really going to affect him that much. I mean, it, it's not going to help things uh, by yeah. any means. I, I think we all know that. But, I, yeah, I mean, I, the, the jersey pull thing, that's an interesting thing I didn't really think about. It's mostly, you know, are you – might an interception possibility that comes his way, might that be dropped because of something going on with the finger? Is there, you know, what happens on a tip pass? Uh, any any kind of wackiness that could occur there, you know. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a big deal, but I think, you know, it's just something that's going to be there. And a guy who's probably got a lot of other things in the back of his mind, though he won't admit it, you know, the contract status and the whole deal. So mm-hmm. you definitely want, um, you know, you definitely want him to show up and play well. He, there's been some struggles there, I guess, a little bit. I mean, last week, he, I think he was late on one of the touchdown plays that was that was in the end zone. I think there was a couple of plays in the first week, too. So, again, I, Bangalorean, I, w- I want to get your take on this because I've always I've said this to John too. Bates has kind of been a a tale of two seasons within a season guy. Um, it's kind of you know one half of the season kind of average, and then another half is excellent. Or in the case last year, it was kind of regular season was eh, and the postseason was fantastic. I don't know if you agree with that sentiment or not, but uh, that's kind of something I've noticed. Yeah, I, no, I do agree with it. And and sometimes, like, I don't think Bates is a bad player by any stretch, but sometimes it can be frustrating uh, looking back at contract talks uh, and everything that happened and then 
you go back and you kind of look at some of the play and you're like, yeah, man, you were, you were like lights out in the playoffs. Uh, but what about this? You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know. I, I think he is one of the best in the league. Like there's no doubt about it, but uh, I just think everything that's gone down with him is unfortunate. I hope, I hope we can retain him. I do. I hope we can pay him a fair wage. Uh, and I hope he can play football for us for a long time. But uh, I, and I'm not, again, I'm not ragging on the guy cause he's, he's an incredible athlete and an incredible safety. But I mean, look at Minka Fitzpatrick against us. He absolutely made our lives a living H E double hockey sticks. Um, <laughs> yep. And, and, and Bates just hasn't done that yet here this season. So I, I look at that play and I'm like, well, where's that right now? You know? So I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, let's a lot of them that we've been getting right here in some of our live chats kind of of the same ilk, uh, but they are asked differently from as drastic as how do I how do I live if we lose Sunday? Let's talk about that. I mean, I hopefully that's not. Uh, you should probably uh, take precedent for that. Like, maybe. yeah, I mean, I hope that one is sarcasm there. Uh, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> and then we've got Chris Swave there also saying, you know, is this is this do or die? Considering we face Miami Baltimore the next two games can't be one and four, oh, and five. John must win this week if the Bengals are to keep their playoff hopes alive. I know oh, and two teams already have a small percentage in making the postseason as it is. Well, Oh, and three teams have an even smaller. In fact, I think it's very close. To, I think it's very close to zero at that point. Yeah, it's 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 a must win. It's along with the fact that oh, and three is an incredibly hard hole to dig yourself out of. Like, just imagine it, man. Like, this is an AFC where things are going to be very tight towards the end of the season. Tiebreakers are really going to matter. You can't drop to oh, and two in the AFC. Oh, and one in your own division. You're going to need at least ten wins to even be a wild card team. Mm-hmm. And even then, that's a tough path to get through the to the playoffs. Win the win the the division. That's probably going to be eleven wins, even if a lot of the other teams in the division kind of beat up on each other. So zero and three with fourteen games to go, you're looking at at bare minimum a ten and four finish against a schedule that objectively is pretty tough compared to you know other teams. And just seeing how those teams are doing so far, like the Bills and Chiefs, they aren't going to go anywhere. Some other other teams, there's still five teams left in the division that they haven't played. Zero and three is just an insurmountable hole to dig yourself out of. And no matter really how tough the schedule is for any team or how good or bad a team is when they're Oh, and three, it's pretty much a death sentence. It is. And it's just, you know, if that's the way that Sunday goes, it would be just a shame because as we talked about before we took the air, it just seemed like such a winnable stretch of games for this team to start the season off. And it's the back end that really seems much more daunting. Uh, Bangalorean, I don't know if you, I have a tough time getting a grasp on this Jets team. They lost in the first week. They came out with an incredible win last week. But all in all, you know, there's some nice pieces there. They've accumulated high draft picks over the past couple of years. It's still Joe Flacco, a guy that's been way up and down against the Cincinnati Bengals in the past. I can't can't really get my my fingers around this team because it's, you know, I I don't feel that they are – Super threatening, but I also have in the back of my mind, they weren't very good last year and they really surprised the Bengals. Yeah, it's like one of those sleeper teams. And I and and uh, I'm going to get called out for this. What, which Ohio State receiver did they take? Garrett Wilson. There Wilson. it is. Garrett Wilson. Uh, a guy like that, I he can sneak up on you, man. Uh, Flacco's old, but he can sneak up on you, man. I, I just it's a winnable game. It's a game we should win. 
like we should win this game. We should have won against the Cowboys and we should have won against the Steelers. Right. But, but this is a game we should win, but look what happened last year, the Mike white game. Like, do we really want a Joe Flacco game? No, I don't think so. But, but like you guys are, like you guys are saying, man, I think it's, I think the literal percentage is like, if we're zero and three, it's like 1.92% to make the playoffs. And that's just a disgusting thing to have to have to think in your head right now, after we just had that Super Bowl run last year. Cause then after you play these jets, we go play a scary Miami team. So do you want to be 0-4 on accident? I don't think so. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And by the way, uh, Bangalorean's joining us. Uh, we're, we're hoping to be joined by his partner in crime, Tyler Minerding. They are um, doing a really cool at, at home, well, kind of at home, at Warped Wing yeah. in Springboro, Ohio, um, in Ohio, a locals, a locals tailgate. And we also have legend Bengal Jim. Uh, he was joining us a little earlier in the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. He will probably be doing a tailgate out in New York. So if you are going yeah. to the Jets game, go to that one. But also go to Warp Wing and join Bangalorean Tyler Minerding for a really cool local tailgate experience to root on the Bengals. Now, uh, John, there were a couple of comments in our live chat. Did you happen to peruse those? Yeah, I did. So we got Dan the Man uh, asking... In, in, in if or this kind of question. So he's asking, what is the bigger concern, the subpar protection of the offensive line or the lack of pressure by the defensive line? I think this is an interesting question to ask guys because with the offensive line, you know, it's a, it's a myriad of issues along with not just guys losing reps, but the ball not getting out quicker. And then just the lack of offensive success, making the line look a little bit worse with the defensive line and just generating pressure. That's really just a binary thing. Like if you're not winning up front, then you're just not winning. It kind of all falls onto you guys. So the fact that Trey Hendrickson hasn't really had a, like a great game, they haven't really involved Joseph Sai as of yet, and that may still be yet to come. DJ Reader's been their best pass rusher bar none, and that's not ideal yeah. from a nose tackle position. So yeah. is the defensive line struggles kind of creeping up to the offensive line struggles? Because we've talked ad nauseum about the offensive line. I, I would say offensive line for me is, is still far more of, of an issue and far more of a concern because you, you have four new starters. You invested all this money in free agency to fix it. It was a major problem last year. And it's not just, you know, you're not getting pressure and affecting the opposing quarterback. Your franchise quarterback is being very, very negatively affected by all the hits, the pressures, the sacks, all of that. And so there's a, there's a domino effect with that. And then you're not even running the ball well at this point. So to me, the fact that all of the assets that were placed into fixing the offensive line, it was perceived as the only real weakness of the Cincinnati Bengals going into this year. That's a problem. I did think that that the Cincinnati Bengals defensive line may was going to maybe take a tiny step back this year because I just I really felt Larry Ogunjobi was was a big key to a lot of what they did last year. I know he was a rotational guy. BJ Hill is effective. Hendrickson's there, and I also hold out hope that Hendrickson's going to kind of start to start to get things together here. I do worry about the amount of snaps that he and Hubbard took at the end of, uh, of the run last year, they kind of were out there for a lot of, of snaps. And so hopefully that's not kind of carrying over here. But uh, for me, I still think it's, it's the offensive line. Bangalorean, I don't know about you. Yeah, same. Definitely. Uh, I think the defensive line will figure it out. I think the offensive line will figure it out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't want Burrow to, to just I don't know all of a sudden get the yips because he's a, like afraid to get hit. Which he's a gamer, man. We all know Joey B's mind, so that probably won't happen. But like it's in the back of my head. Like how much punishment can this kid take? 
and we know it's a ton. We know he's a tough guy, uh, but I don't want him to take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I, I think that they'll figure it out. Like I was saying earlier before we kind of kicked it into gear here, I, I just think we had a weird off season again, and I'm not blaming the woes of the off season, but we had Collins out and not consistently practicing uh, the Jackson Carmen Cordell Volson uh, novel at this point uh, was, was kind of a back and forth that was happening. Uh, and I don't know, just new guys need to come together and gel. And uh, I think they will not to mention our quarterbacks organs decided to explode in his body. So he wasn't <laughs> back there commanding the offensive line like he should in the uh, preseason, but they're going to get it together, man. I got full faith and confidence. My lord, can they just have a normal offseason once, <laughs> once, just once in the Joe Burrow era? That would be, I mean, even before you know, the year prior, right? AJ Green breaks his ankle mm-hmm. before things get started. It's like, can oh. you just have a normal offseason? That would be just, just so lovely if we could do that. Um, we're going to look to the Cincy Jungle post and the comment threads there. And there is one here and I, I this is such a hard question because so many people have differing opinions on a keyword in this but i'll ask it anyway bengal growl why is the coaching staff taking so long to make offensive adjustments and that adjustments word is really kind of up to definition and uh if you think that's a real thing or not but it seems like no adjustments until midway through the second quarter or worse the second half does zach have too much on his plate obviously referencing Zach Taylor being the play call offensive play caller for the Bengals. I don't know, John, what do you think? Yeah, we also had a question from Chris Swave. He was asking like how many slow starts before Zach Taylor starts to get blamed happened last year often and is consistent in the Zach Taylor era. I think in general, like the general rule of thumb is that the 15 first 15 plays are usually scripted. That's what you install in practices that's that week according to what you're game planning against or what you believe the defense is going to do. Ben Solak put out a phenomenal article today on the ringer.com diagramming like the issues with the Bengals offense right now. And it's kind of been the same thing in the Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow era, this marriage of a wide zone running game under center with a spread shotgun passing game. It's very predictive from a pre-snap sense. So you have defenses, you know, putting the safety down when Burrow is under center because 80% of the time it's going to be a run. And then when Burrow's in shotgun, they put the safeties back because 95% of the time it's going to be a pass. And then defenses can just stay in their keys. They, they watch this on tape all throughout the week. They know what's going to come. And it's easy for them to just go and play natural because they're expecting it while the Bengals offense is trying to do the same things week in and week out. And they keep running into walls in the first you know, a handful of drives in in the game. So the adjustments naturally come, you know, in the second quarter after you get through those plays that you expect to work against that defense. And then you're noticing the tendencies that the defense is, is patrolling out there in the first quarter or two. So I, I don't think it's necessarily an issue of the adjustments coming too late. It's mainly just an issue of a lack of diversity and a lack of creativity with what you're trying to do. And I think they made some hints of progress this past Sunday, throwing a little bit more under center, a little bit more under center drop back play action, action with Burrow and marrying that with the run game a little bit more inside zone. So they're making small steps, but clearly it's just not enough. It, it's not enough. And I, I, Bangalore and I saw you wanted to 
chime in on that. I, you were. Oh, I I totally I agree. Uh, I just I want to see creativity. Um, I'm not ready to you know kick Zach out the door like some people are on social media, but social media is a cesspool, so we won't get into that. But, <laughs> um, it's and that's and that's where I exist. So believe me. I, but uh, I'm not I'm not ready to kick him out the door yet. I do want to see some of that creativity we had last year. John brought up the points when Joe's under center, you're like, Oh, okay. Mixon's getting this right. So, or, or if someone's, or if he's in the shotgun safeties can kind of, you know, slip back or, or hedge their bets. Cause they know the ball is going to come out uh, if the pass rush doesn't get to Joe. So yeah, I, I just, I want to see diversity in play calling and some creativity kind of just like he said there. That brings up, uh, and I'm going to stick with you here and I want to hear from John on it too, but that brings up a really interesting point because of there's a specific player I think we would maybe have thought that we would have seen a lot. Well, not maybe not a lot more, but at times this year. And he seems like a guy that would be a change of pace player on offense, and that is Chris Evans. Are you yeah. surprised that we have not seen anything from Chris Evans on the offensive side of the ball? I I am surprised, uh, and I am like bang the table for him to be in like I like during those preseason games like every time he made a play like I would just tweak Chris Evans like you just need to utilize the kid like I know he dealt with some crap in college and that's why he didn't get this like premier look in the league right when he got here but like he's clearly very very talented and very very versatile I would love to see him back there on I don't know like those like when we when we run those screens out in the flats, like him catching it, my God, that would be incredible to watch him. You saw him how he can he can read the field, read the defenders, and and make those cuts. It, it's incredible. It's, we need to establish a running game first in the first place, but like it would be incredible to see him out there. There's a lot of talented uh, players there. We got it running back, but Evans needs needs a, a light on him. I think. Yeah, it, it, John. It's not like he's. Being, I, I know the the thought could be, hey, you know, he's valuable to kickoff returns. He's not even touching the ball on kickoff yeah. returns. Every one of them is back. so. Yeah. It's like it's it's not like he's being heavily utilized there. And then you look at maybe what happened just in flashes last year, late in the year, and then also that big play against the Lions. And you go, this is the kind of stuff and the mismatches that he provides that this offense could be missing. I just, you know, obviously the pass protection thing is probably something that's in the coaches' minds at this point. They really trust P. Ryan in that respect but i mean i i just i'm still at a loss why he's not out there a handful of snaps a game you know what it is for me like in this offense i think we've established that there's just not a ton of schematic creativity to create opportunities for playmakers to just make plays with ease usually the big plays happen because the special players are special and they make it happen on Mm. their own and with chris evans i think we can all understand that he's a very phenomenal athlete for his size for his position for his age he's just when the ball's in his hands like he can make more things happen than Samaji appearance so I feel like that kind of outweighs like maybe a lack of trust issues or maybe like him, him not practicing that well he seems to fall into the lines of a guy who just doesn't do enough things be- between you know Monday morning and Saturday afternoon while whereas Piran kind of does everything right and they trust mm. him to be in the right positions every time Piran gets the ball he's like the he's like the running back version of Drew Sample you know you don't expect anything <laughs> out of him he loses his balance a little bit often it's like if it's a solid four or five yard catch and catch and run from him but other than that like it, it's not a, a boom or bust type of deal and when you're lacking explosive plays like you need as many guys on the field as possible to do that so with with Evans even if he isn't being trusted in pass protection even 
even if he's entrusted to read his gaps correctly, which I think there were some issues with that in the preseason. We kind of saw um, behind the mirror with that. Even if those issues exist in this offense, it's not like you're scheming him open or scheming him great opportunities anyways. Just let him go be a special player. Yeah, yeah, I I, I just don't get it. Uh, you know, P. Ryan, obviously the coaches trust him immensely. I mean, he was one of Zach Taylor's first very first waiver wire pickups in his very first year picked him up right before that Seattle game. I remember it vividly. And then he kind of was doing special team stuff mm-hmm. and then getting some more time as a backup, backup running back. But, um, and not, and he's provided sparks here and there. P Ryan has, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you go back to the chiefs game last year, had a nice run uh, for a touchdown and uh, here and there he's provided some sparks and it's not, it's when- not about get him out of the lineup. It's per se. It's like, you know, use Evans wide receiver four. Right. Yeah. You, you can, you can do two back sets. Those things exist. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> they're not using any of that really. When, when you need a, when you need a blitz pickup, I have no issue of having Pierre out there. Like he's proven yeah. that he can do that. That That's his role. But other than that, like at this point, you might need to start implementing Evans a little bit more. <laughs> this is a wild comparison and I catch black of, uh, for it within my own friend base. Uh, and I'm not saying he is him. But when I watch Chris Evans play, he reminds me a little bit of Reggie Bush. And I know that's a crazy comparison, uh, but just the, the shiftiness, the way he sees the field and the way he can get in and get out. Like, it's just that's I don't know why I just see him play. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit of that. yeah there's a little bit of that in him. And again, that's a wild comparison. But. And, well, no, I did the tall, uh, leaner, um, yeah. tall, you know, taller, leaner back that yeah. has some elusiveness to him. You know, I, it reminds me and, and this is probably going to go the other way. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of the good the one good year that Chris Perry had with the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals in 05 when they used him a lot of different ways. He caught. I'd have to go back and think like 50 balls or something in, in 2005. Mm-hmm. He was a nice weapon. So was Kenny Watson after him. Why not use a player like that? I know we're going back 15, 17 years and obviously <laughs> offenses have evolved, but it's a security blanket player. It's a guy who's got an athletic profile. Use them, use them like that. Bangalorean also, if you have, I, I know it's a little difficult to see comments maybe through the phone, if you're doing it through your phone. So I don't mean to gloss over you. If you see a you're question, okay. for sure, shout it out. Um, okay. we do, we do have a text come in from Dre in the five, one, three, would it be a good idea for team management to bring in an experienced offensive play caller as offensive quality control or special assistant to the head coach to help Zach with in-game play calling? I assume also this means this could be pointing to some of the, the missed things in game in week one, you know, you're talking about challenge, not challenging that Jamar chase touchdown and whatnot. Um, maybe that goes hand in hand with that question, John. <sighs> let's get this out of the way real quick. Malik Wright was on his show. I sit down with Malik Wright, which you can catch on Twitter, I believe a couple times a week. And he obviously is well plugged in with the organization. Everything that he says is typically true there. He got a text this week with an emphatic response that says like Zach Taylor in no way, shape or form is ever giving up play calling duties. I feel like this conversation could just stop right then and there. And as far as like a specialist to be brought in as like a consultant or like some type of experienced veteran quality control guy, maybe I, I think just in general, just the conversation about him giving a play calling is like, it's going to go to Brian Callahan and then you have to understand and realize like, why was Brian Callahan brought in under Zach Taylor in the first place? Because Brian Callahan's dad is Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan, obviously coach Zach Taylor at Nebraska, Bill Callahan, his whole thing 
is wide zone. The problem right now is the fact that they're trying to marry the Rams running game with LSU's passing game, and it's not a it's not a, a it's not a relationship that has a lot of chemistry. It's hard to mesh those two. So it's not like Callahan comes in with a whole bunch of fresh new ideas from a whole different type of a background. So the idea of getting someone from the outside, kind of in the Joe Brady type. Um, area just because he has that experience with just marrying both the running game and the passing game under Burrow, like that would make some sort of sense. But just the idea of Zach giving up play calling duties in general, it would go to Callahan. I don't think things would change that much just because of his own background. It's a good point. Big learning. I don't know if you've got some extended thoughts on that, but I, I saw you I nodding. I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I think when the Bengals brought in Zach Taylor, that was part of the package deal. He's going to call the plays, right? I mean, that was that was kind of the sales the the sales job, if you will, or the the interview process with him. It's you know, if we're going to bring in this bright young offensive minded guy from that innovative Ram system, he's going to call the plays. Now he's going to probably lean on other other guys, Callahan and others, that uh, you know, to help him with with a number of different things. But this is kind of what uh, uh, some of the coaches do, some of the offensive minded coaches do in the NFL. They just kind of take that uh doesn't it doesn't Andy Reid do that is that one of his uh or he has that's been kind of one of the knocks against yeah. the enemy he doesn't call the plays right so I mean you, you see this here and there from other offensive minded coaches and so I, I just I don't see it I don't see it changing anytime soon same yeah like he like John's like you both said yeah if, if it's not Zach it's Callahan and honestly if you week three or week four or whatever, you just decide to bring someone in. You just completely upset the dynamic of everything happening and, and don't give it a chance to write itself. So yeah, I think we just put that to bed, honestly. Yeah. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where are we going next, John? Let's see here. We got something in the uh, post comment section from Cincy Mike 21. He's asking, is Joe Mixon getting too much of a pass? Everyone talks like he's mm-hmm. in lead back, but he doesn't look like it this year. He is way behind Nick Chubb and Najee Harris in the AFC North. Chris Evans work here. So we already talked about Chris Evans a little bit, but Mangalorian, like what do you see out of Joe Mixon this year? Obviously, when talking about running backs, the offensive line is a huge component mm-hmm. in that discussion. But do you see like a difference in him just working with what he's got? And maybe like there's just something that's not quite there that was in years past. No, I think he'll get into a rhythm. I, I think that we've played crappy football for two games, and that's that's what you need to amount that to, honestly. Joe Mixon is a professional, just like I said, Jesse Bates is a professional. And as soon as this line gels together this week against New York, baby, <laughs> I think uh, I think I think that uh, Joe Mixon is gonna Joe Mixon, sorry, is gonna show everyone in the league why we revere him the way we do. Nick Chubb is a special running back. There's no denying that. Najee Harris 
is probably going to be a special running back. But I also think Joe Mixon is a very, very special running back, and he's going to show the world why. I'm I'm in agreement here. I think that, look, as dumb as the adage is or, you know, whatever you want to call it, the he gets better with more carries or he gets better better as the game goes on. We've seen that from Joe Mixon. We have seen that. Go back to the Raiders game, not the playoff game. Go back to the, the Raiders game last year in the regular season where the Bengals just kind of pounded the Raiders. And as the game wore on, he was getting those chunk plays and those chunk plays were coming. It, he is a rhythm guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you also, as we talked about with the Evans thing, you got to balance that with we got to find a spark somewhere. If this isn't working right now, you got to be able to find other ways to make it work. I think the frustration with Mixon, we talked about it Wednesday, John, was you know just a lack of making that first guy miss. Unfortunately, that first guy is often in the backfield already touching mm-hmm. him when he gets the handoff. Whether that scheme, whether that's Joe Mixon being too patient and trying to find the big play, whatever, uh, it's a combination of factors probably, but that that's something that's plaguing them. And I, I, I'm with Mangalorian on this one. I, I think you're going to see as time goes on, a better brand of football, better, better performance up front and in the running game. I think quite honestly, and I, again, this is kind of one of those stupid cliches, but it just feels like the offense based on who they have, what they did last year and everything. They're just trying to do too much. They're trying to get that big play right away and big play every time. And it doesn't, you know, that's why you saw Burrow force balls in the first week. That's why you're seeing some, you know, you know, there's a, there's a clip of Mixon where he didn't cut back, last week where he could have cut back inside and made a nice gain. Instead, I think it was a loss. You're seeing those types of decisions. And I think it's just because they're trying to pop the big play and it just, they're getting in their own way a little bit. Uh, I know it's cliche, but that's just a little bit how I feel about what's going on these first couple of weeks. No, I think that makes, I think that makes sense because it, when, I, when I watch Nick Chubb, it's almost like he does so little, but so much at the same time, like there's no wasted movement in the way that he runs. Now, the Browns have a really good offensive line. He's got ample space to really make the reads that he needs to make, but everything in his body is like synchronized and he doesn't like you alluded to, he doesn't always look for the big play, but the big play just finds him because he always puts himself in the right position. When I watch Mixon, it's almost like I hear like the, like the old cartoon voice where like his legs are moving faster than his body. You know what I mean? And then he gets a little bit off balance. And I think that's where a lot of the balance issues come from. And the fact that he isn't, able to make a guy miss or he isn't able to brush off you know a shoestring tackle because he's trying to get upfield as as fast as possible and maybe like we talk about burrow getting the yips behind the bad offense line i think mixon at this point like six years in he's dealt with such bad blocking Mm. in his career that he almost doesn't trust those blocks to open up so he moves at a faster pace than what he should be and that's not a good quality to have when you're reading wide zone going from outside to in you you have to be a naturally patient back and he was that at Oklahoma, which is why they felt like he was a good fit within the system. So now, when and we, we've, me and Anthony talked about this on Wednesday, like if they're transitioning more to a gap scheme type of a run game where it's more downhill, that might honestly benefit Mixon in just the way that he is now, just for him to get downhill as quick as possible. That's a great point about you know we're talk, we, we're obsessed with the the line play getting into Burrow's head potentially. I mean, go back to man, do you remember that 2018 line? that Joe Mixon got yeah. a thousand yards behind. I mean, we're talking about Clint bowling and really that's about it. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, that was what he had to run behind that. Uh, we're talking about, uh, Oh boy. Uh, should we even bring, bring up his name? His, his father might be listening and, 
The old, nah. the old Alec. Okay, we're not going to bring up. <laughs> we're not going to bring up Mister R E D M O N D. All right, we got a question from Victor Pate, who is a uh, he comments a lot on our YouTube channel. Great listener, appreciate the question from him. Interesting, kind of continuing with the running back theme here. What about using a fullback, tight end slash P Ryan in the backfield as a lead blocker on occasion? Uh, wouldn't this cause a Tampa two pre snap look change if a defense says, stays in a Tampa two? run it i mean i think that's kind of the knowledge with uh, as to combat that scheme and then potentially you start bringing those safeties up and then you start finding some things deeper i think that's kind of the the knowledge here bangalorean but i think that Bengals try to do some of this with sample now he's hurt so they may have to figure it's, out you know using something something else there or these two back sets well before sample it was hubbard hubbard was our fullback um <laughs> So I don't I don't know if you're throwing Hubbard back there at fullback. I don't I I love fullback football, man. That's that's like gritty football. But I don't I don't know that that's our identity. I just I don't see it happening. Um, yeah, I guess that's my answer. I just don't think that's our identity. I, we're we've got this receiving core, uh, and even if you're you're saying the fullbacks. You're on a you're on a mental journey with me right now. I'm dissecting the question. Sorry, but <laughs> but 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 even if the fullback is back there to maybe trick those safeties and make them bite, and and then everybody can beat them on the backside deep thirds. I I don't know. I again I I think that's just not our identity to have that back there. But hey, I could be wrong. And if it works, let's go win some football games. Man, if we want to talk about. Pre- predictability on offense if you put a fullback back there and you don't yeah. pass it at all <laughs> yeah. like of course yeah. the safety is going to come down that box is going to be full and it's just a matter yeah. of you have seven blockers <laughs> instead of five this time when it, it, um, again unless they start passing at a play action under center and they start just basing the offense around w- what their running game looks like in pre-snap it's not really going to change anything mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're going to be here a few more minutes getting uh, some questions and whatnot coming coming our way. And again, the Bangalorean and Tyler Minerding. Tyler was set to join us, unfortunately could not. Had a day job thing come up here. But um, they are throwing a really cool event at Warp Wing in Springboro, Ohio. Kind of a home tailgate for an away game. Drinks, food, prizes, all kinds of stuff. So definitely join that. What kind of what kind of grub do they have there? Uh, it sounds like obviously buffalo wings of some kind, right? So, dude. Uh, so the the Springboro location has a giant smoker uh, on the side, oof. and they do they do smoked wings, yeah. like it, you, you you name it, they smoke it. And I had an opportunity to eat up there a few times uh, prior to getting this event together, and uh, it is a it's a can't miss if you're there get their food, get their smoked wings. Uh, they've got Trotwood, which is a great light game day beer. I mean, you, you can't miss there. The location's great. Uh, we, we were fortunate, uh, fortunate enough to get a hold of their party room. Um, so we'll have that area. You'll be able to walk up to their bar. As you guys have seen me throwing out on Twitter, we're doing all kinds of giveaways from KB art. Uh, some, some of the Devin Young, Devin Young custom Air Force Ones. Uh, we got one of those. I'm giving away at halftime. Uh, we've got gift baskets and just knickknacks that we're going to give away at like TV timeouts and into quarters. And uh, beyond that, it's just going to be a fun time. The location's great too. 
Well, it's awesome. You are one of the great, great Bengals fan ambassadors, as I have titled them. So uh, it's hey, really, really it. cool that you, yeah, it's really, really cool what you what you do for the fan base. And I know this is a really cool event and we wanted to, to kind of get the word out as, as if we have any kind of close to a social media presence as, <laughs> as big as yours, but whatever we can do to kind of get some people there and, and have more fun, we're, we're all about it. John, where are we going next uh, as we start to wind things down here in a few minutes? So we got an AFC North question here. Uh, I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, so I think we can all agree that the Steelers, they, their lone win of the year might be against the Bengals at this point. So you got the Ugh. Browns and you got Ugh. the Ravens. The Browns have, I think, was it, eight more games left with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback before they get that, that other guy back there under center. And then you got Baltimore, who probably should be 2-0 right now. It sands a fourth-quarter disaster against the Dolphins. So, Anthony, who, who do you think right now, as of right now, is the bigger threat in the AFC North? Baltimore. Baltimore is the biggest threat. I mean, I think, you know, I credit to the Browns in a way. They're kind of keeping things together without their true starting quarterback. I don't even know. I mean, Deshaun's talented. I mean, all the other crap aside, Deshaun is talented. We all know that. But we're talking a year and a half away from football at this point that he has not played. And we're talking about potential rust of Bengal starters who didn't get preseason work and, and all of that. How much rust do you think potentially Deshaun Watson may have going in? And it's not even coming back to his old team and familiar people. It's, it's all new people. So I, to me, I think Lamar's been looking pretty good. But here's the thing. Again, you go back to last week. This is what really chaps me about the Bengals dropping that game against Dallas that, that was a golden opportunity to just gain a, a lot of ground for the Bengals. That division lost, and they lost in wacky ways. And I guess the good news is if the Bengals do get things back on track, Bangalorean, it's it's that this division seems attainable and that all of these teams, in a way, seem beatable. But for me, it's the Baltimore Ravens that seem to be the biggest threat. I agree. Yeah, the Steelers stink. I'm happy they stink. <laughs> Forget about yeah. them. Uh, take Trubisky out, put Pickett in, whatever. One plus one equals one. They're the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have any really faith in the Browns' defense. I know they have, like, Denzel Ward and Taki Taki was making – that's just a fun name to say, so I had to say it. But making <laughs> making some plays back there. Um, but really, I mean, God, if we can if we can contain – you're not stopping Nick Chubb and, and uh, Kareem Hunt, them and, and – uh, even with uh, creepy back there, when he comes back in eleven weeks or whatever, I, I I I'm not too scared of him. But Baltimore looks special, man. Bateman's a freak. Uh, Lamar Jackson is him. I mean, he is Lamar Jackson. He's a guy during that draft that was on the board, and I was like, hey, Cincy, go get that guy. So yeah, uh, I don't know, man. But Baltimore, I think, is a scary team. So uh, those those games are going to be good this year. It's I don't think it's going to be. 41 to whatever they put up against us but we'll have to see honestly but i'm with you baltimore and i, th I think the question is just interesting because the browns probably should be three no right now without their quarterback yeah. and i think i'm a, anthony brought up a great point like we have no idea what Deshaun's going to look like when he when he comes back um there'll probably probably be some rust but if they can keep their heads above water they're up, they're going to be in the conversation with the AFC, but Baltimore looks mm -hmm. scary right now because Lamar seems to have taken that next step. Like we all believe he probably would have. And that was the biggest thing that was holding them back, like in the playoffs and towards the end of the past couple of regular seasons I, I, from the Bengals perspective, 
like you talked about, if they can contain Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they still haven't been able to do that. Like the Bengals yeah. haven't had a lot of success against the Browns. And even if Brissett's out there throwing for 220 and a touchdown or two, like that's still an offense that has given the Bengals a lot of fits in recent years, whereas they've managed to limit Lamar Jackson to a certain extent. But if Lamar is figuring things out in, in ways that he hasn't before, like that's just a really tough task. Lamar well, is we're gonna... special. Yeah. 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 I, we're going to start one... closing up. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. One more. Do you, do you think there's that big of a difference between Baker and Brissett back there when we play the Browns? Yes, because I think okay. Brissett is a little bit smarter and yeah, yeah a little bit wiser. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, That's, yeah, I, just... yeah I, I go the other way with it because Baker absolutely lit us up every single week. He would play like crap all these other weeks, and then against the Bengals, for some reason, he would come in and have the best game of his life. That's why I thought, actually, he was going to win the first week because he's always storyline guy. He's always passion mm-hmm. player guy. Right. I just felt like he was going to go in and, and you know, he, he's been that way. It seems like all these weird storylines followed him in these big games against the Bengals and he, he showed up and then other times, you know, against other teams, he completely disappeared, injured or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, Brissett's just kind of doing just enough, uh, you know, and then of course the leaning on the run game and, and doing that. But uh, I, I think there is a difference, but um all right, so we've got we've got our buddy Terrell on the line. We had a couple of other calls come through. We're going to try and sneak another one or two in if we can. But Terrell, our our guy, we haven't spoken to him in a, actually since the season started. He's always kind of Mister Optimist, and now we're zero two, Terrell. So what, what's going on, my man? What's on your mind? How you guys doing? I'm I've been busy, man. My brother's wet, man. Just came back from Atlanta a couple a couple of weeks ago, so. But uh, well, it's good to hear from you. I just been. It's, it's been a rocky, weird road, a rocky, weird road. And um, I just believe that, I mean, we, we just, I think I think we're going to make it to the wild card and still make it up to the division. Mm. Okay. Um, long story short, uh, I'm already looking at tight ends and offensive tackles. For next, what are you talking about, next next offseason? I'm, I'm I'm in, in, uh, yes, in, in, um, in college. I'm looking at UC two tight ends. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Eric Isle from, U, uh, from UD. Okay. I'm looking at tackles. I'm looking at everything. But uh, I'm just saying, I think they they are uh, they they still are very too talented to lose. Okay. And um, what I was gonna tell you is uh, real quick. Uh, I uh, if if we go like nine and eight or nine and seven, and we need a division game to win to go to the playoffs in the last in the last game. And somehow, some way, play calling comes involved. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm I might be looking at uh, Lincoln Riley. Oh, Lincoln Riley! Oh my gosh, walk off right there. I love... <laughs> All right, Terrell, good to hear from you, bud. Um, oh boy, I don't even know if I want to go the Lincoln Riley route. <laughs> he's, he's already turning my turning my Trojans around, so I'm kind of like, let's leave that guy where he is. But I, I, at this point, I mean, I think kind of the overarching theme, I know 0-2 start, and I think we all think the Bengals will kind of get back on track, or at least we hope they will, starting this week. But, you know, I kind of had the team at, you know, an 11-6 and 6 record, I think, at this point, you know, when I was going through the schedule at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think that probably drops a little bit now. I mean, as you, as you guys kind of sit here, he thinks maybe – the Bengals are looking at nine or 10 wins. Where do you kind of sit now after dropping the first two games and you're coming up against this tough stretch towards the back end, but the Titans are also 0-2, I believe. That that was a team that was supposed to be pretty tough on the schedule. They're 0-2. Uh, 
Uh, and then you've got some other questions about other teams down the stretch. I don't know, Bangalorean. How do you walk us off the ledge, my friend? What, what are you What are you thinking? Fifteen and two, baby. I don't even know if that's the right math. Is that the math? Yeah. <laughs> no, math. Uh, math. I think uh, I have us at like a twelve win team. I I am Still. I am uh, yeah I do I really do. Okay. Um, these two losses were super unfortunate, um, but I I think that our guys are going to learn from it and apply that to some of these more difficult games. Uh, and we're going to be better for it. And I think we, we're we probably going to win a couple games that big media and, and a lot of people are saying, oh, man, they're 0-2. There's no way they're going to win in week, I don't know, eight against whoever. You know, they're going to kick their butts if they keep playing like this. But I, I think we turn the ship around, and I think we're at 11 and 12 wins. That's where I'm at. John? You know, I think he brought up a good point because this team, and someone said in the comments section earlier today, it's classic Bengals to lose the games where you expect them to win and to surprise you when you expect them to lose. Like it's been yep. a theme for as long as I can remember long time. following this team. So we talked about like the schedule gets harder as the year goes on when they're in a situation where like every game is in danger of falling further behind in the AFC North. Like I think you trust the core of the locker room and the coaching staff at this point to get things right when things matter. Like they've, they found out how to win tough games this past year. Like all the regression talk aside, like I think that is an important step in their growth. Despite some guys leaving, the the core leadership of this team is still intact, and they've experienced how to make it in tough situations. And beyond that, like I, I think Jay Morrison wrote this in the Athletic this week, just about gauging what the vibe is at zero and two. Von Bell and DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson were on the last two teams to start out 0-2 and still make playoffs. The Saints did it in 2017, I believe, and the Texans did it in 2018. So they have guys who have literally been in this situation before and have still went on to make it into January. And once you're in January and hopefully you have things figured out to the point where you consistently compete on offense, all bets are off at that point. So I, I still think this team should be around 9 and 10 wins, and they are typically due for wins against really quality opponents. they got plenty of those in the next coming weeks. Yeah, and the hope is that they pull kind of a Steelers and play their best ball at the end of the season. Not the very, very end, but towards the back half of the season, especially against those quality teams. A lot of good ones in the AFC that they'll be playing going forward well we've been here almost 50 minutes here and our our boy bangalorean he's got to get some adult beverages he's that's the that's the problem with me living where i live and you guys live where you live you happy hour you guys are like on happy hour when i'm on like lunch so yeah. it's like oh man uh but again uh join the bangalorean join tyler minerding at warped wing in uh the city again springboro springboro, yeah, springboro. Yeah. yeah and uh, what what time do things kick off uh, so they open at 11, uh, show up when you want, but uh, the, the real party starts at kickoff. Uh, I'm going to immediately, right before kickoff, go into a giveaway to kind of get people in the mindset that it's a kind of an interactive event uh, where I'm going to be up on stage hollering, and I say stage, up up, up front uh, hollering, giving stuff away. On a keg, cheering, you're going to be on a keg. Maybe, yeah, maybe you'll see some <laughs> do a cake stand, man, in, in the armor. I'll see how that how that works out. But awesome. but jo- seriously, join us, Springboro, this Sunday. Uh, plenty of prizes, amazing food, amazing beer, uh, and an even better time. So, 
Well, thanks for thanks for hanging with us, man, and answering some questions, having some fun talking Bengals, and awesome that you are doing this uh, home tailgate for an away game. Hopefully, this becomes maybe a semi semi regular thing. I know there's a lot of work behind that, but again, you're doing cool stuff for the fans and giving away all kinds of stuff, and it just kind of shows your character and uh, your passion for the for the Bengals and the Bengals fans out there, man. So thanks for uh, joining us and hanging out with us and throwing this big uh, this big at home tailgate. Yeah, man. Who day? Glad to be on. And uh, don't be a stranger. I'll, I'll come, yeah, talk yeah, to come back to you guys anytime. Yep. Awesome. Come back soon. Go have go have some drinks for me. All right, man. Who day? All right. Take care. See you, man. Uh, great guy. Love that guy. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna take off as well. I want to remind folks, of course, uh, if you do want to, and who day right here, the the user who day. Um, Asking a question, I guess we'll we'll answer that on our way out here. But how is it possible that Joe Burrow is on pace to get sacked more than last year? Uh, well, the reason we're getting this because those YouTube chat super chats they go to the Pollock Family Foundation and they take precedence. So givesendgo.com slash Pollock Family Foundation. This donation will go to that. I don't know, John. I guess we can walk off with this one. Uh, how do you how do you explain that one? Um, I don't I don't really have a great explanation for it. Football is football. This stuff happens. <laughs> No, man, it, it's it's a combination of an offensive line not playing up to up to par and a quarterback that is still trying to figure out how to beat some of these coverages and an offensive play caller who's still trying to figure out the concepts of which to do so. And it's a lot of miscommunication. It's a lot of waiting for things to happen. And it's two defensive lines featuring two of the best edge rushers in the league. It's a giant powder keg of explosion, which leads to, what, 13 sacks in two games? Uh, he's not going to get sacked 100 times this year. Like He's not going to get sacked probably more than... Well, I don't think he's going to get sacked more than 60 times. Anything below that is probably fair game. I did find it interesting, and I did find it find the analysis pretty astute in David Carr weighing in on this because David Carr was one of those guys, for first overall pick to an expansion team, and obviously got kind of beat up throughout his career. And then, you know, that's kind of been the talk is if you don't protect your franchise quarterback, they're never going to reach their full potential. Obviously, even getting – beat up last year from a sack quarterback hit standpoint burrow did reach his potential um and still has more potential to reach but it's going to take like you said better concepts better better play from the tackles you, you would expect just to, i mean i don't mean to single out anybody but really the tackles have been the most surprising i was going to figure that those are going to be the two most talented players on this line and they have lost a lot of one-on-one matchups again against some very good edge rushers going forward but man they've uh they have really not made life easy back there they have not and i i mean they signed Lyle to be better than this they uh, re-upped jonah williams for another year to be better than this and i think that's the expectation good players typically find ways to to bounce back and to perform up to expectations so it's a long season but joe burrow said it 15 weeks to go people need to, need to do their best to try to relax and have fun on sunday I think the Bengals offense also kind of needs to take that same. Hopefully yeah. he's, he's talking to the collective, right? Not just the Bengals fans, not just the reporters, but also the people on his offensive unit where it's like, Hey, let's I, like we said, Wednesday for me, I think impatience has kind of been a thing that's been plaguing him a little bit. Just always wanting to get that big play right now. Got to have it now. Got to have it now. And it's like, you know, let's work, let's work to get that. Sometimes it's not going to be there as easy as it was towards the beginning of last year. And that's, that's being proven, but our thanks to the Bangalorean. Sorry we couldn't get Tyler Minerding on. He had something come up at the the old day job, but we'll get him on in the future. Talk about some things. Maybe we'll get him on next week, and he can tell us about how the event went. Maybe we'll we'll do something like that. But John, uh, 
have a good weekend, man. You, you, you feeling pretty good about what things, how things are going to go this Sunday? Well, not exactly. I know, I know how you picked Wednesday, but I'm just wondering if two days now have passed and you're going, hey, my mind has changed a little bit. Nah, like I think it's going to be a really tough game, and I don't have a ton of confidence that the Bengals are actually going to be able to do it, but that's typically where they prove me wrong. So I'm very excited to find out. Well, we would love from last year's Jets script to be flipped for the Bengals and that they walk out of there with a with a win and start riding the ship here. But thanks uh, thanks for everything, John. Appreciate it. And our thanks to the Bangalorean for joining us as well. Have a good weekend. We've had a lot of stuff thrown at you on the podcast channel, whether it's our, our show, the preview with uh, Believe in Jets host Andrew Golden, our listener questions live with the Bangalorean, Bengal Jim's Talking Football episode, uh, and then, of course, we had Matt Minnick bringing you a nice episode as well on the channel. So hopefully you have enjoyed all of the stuff we've been bringing you. We appreciate the support. John, have a have a good Friday, man. You, you off to do something fun or you got to hammer away some work here? I got like a, a dozen beers in the fridge to be drank. So good for you. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it's 12.05 here. I can't I can't do that yet. But uh... time is an illusion, man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, take care, dude. You as well. All right.